thank you for joining us this evening. I bring you greetings from Zion Hill Church family right here in the city of Pineville, USA. We appreciate you. Thank you for studying with us. For those of you that don't know it, we have been going through every book of the Bible. The goal is to make sure that you, me, all of us understand the Word of God. Today we're going to be talking about the book of Daniel. There's a lot of wisdom that we can learn from the book of Daniel, so I'm going to take my time just to just to walk you and me through it. Beginning from chapter 1, you need to be reminded that the book of Daniel is based on a major event in the Middle East. And that major event, we discuss it in the book of Jeremiah, we discuss it in the book of Ezekiel, and that is the invasion of the nation of Babylon against Israel. You know the drill, you know what happened. Israel was committing sin against God, so God allowed its enemy, Babylon, to come against Israel. And what happened, Babylon invaded Israel, and Babylon basically attacked the city of Jerusalem, attacked the temple, and took the people as exile back to Babylon. That alone offers a lot of lessons. Number one, and I don't want you to miss this, how on earth does God allow or why would God allow enemies to attack his own children? And the simple answer is this. If you as a child of God, if me as a child of God, if you and I as a child of God, if we open the door for the enemy to come in, the enemy will hit us. Are you listening to me? Every time, mark my word, every time a Christian is being attacked or being oppressed by the devil, I can almost guarantee you that Christian had opened some doors. I will encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be free of the attack of the enemy, if you want the enemy to pass by your neighborhood and stay away from your address, guess what you need to do? Don't leave the door open. The Africans have a saying, it goes like this. They said, if there's no crack in your wall, the lizard will not come into your living room. You see, they, get, they came with that idea because back in the days, most of them made their, their, their homes through muds, muds from the ground, the, the they put the muds together, add water, and then use it to build the walls of their homes. But eventually, after a while, those mud will wear out from rains. It rains a lot in Africa because we live very close to the equator. So there's a lot of rainforest. That's why the the land is so beautiful. There's beautiful grass, beautiful garden. I mean, even the Garden of Eden was located in Africa. But you as a homeowner, you have to constantly replenish the walls of your home. So as the rain is washing down those mud walls, you have to replace it with more mud. If you don't do that, Eventually, the rain will wear out and wash down your wall to the point that there will be an opening in the wall. 
And then the next thing you notice, you'll be, you'll be in your house one day, maybe drinking a cup of coffee, and guess what we're crawling? A lizard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The same thing is true in Christian life. If you don't continue to do your best to live right, to live for God, to obey the word of God and respect the will of God for your life, you may open the door for the enemy of your soul to come and attack you and attack your children and attack your family. You know how I know this? I have made that mistake many times. I'm not very proud of it, but I pay dearly for it. God wants to bless you. God wants to take care of you. But God cannot help you much when you are constantly opening the door for the enemy to attack. Israel did just that. They opened the door for the enemy, and the enemy was Babylon, another nation, and Babylon came and pounded and pounded and destroyed their city. That's like destroying your homes. That's what the enemy would do. I know many people today, their family, their marriage, their home has been destroyed. The enemy also came and destroyed their temple. That's their way of worship. That's their spirituality. That's another thing that the enemy would do when we, when we open the door. He will come in and shut you down to the point you don't go to church no more. You are just out there and lingering and just living without God. And the third thing the enemy did, Babylon took them into exile. In other words, make slaves out of them. That's another thing the enemy would do if you let him. Before you realize it, you become addicted. You become slave to, to sin. Some people become addicted to pornography. Some people become addicted to drugs. Addicted to crack cocaine addicted to alcohol. I mean, whatever it is, I don't know. But the problem is that when we open door for the enemy, the enemy will come in. That's what happens to the Israelites. That's how the book of Daniel started. So Babylon came, attacked Israel, attacked their cities, attacked their home attacked their temple and took the brightest of their children into exile. Among those people that were taken into exile were four Hebrew boys. You probably remember their names. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. <laughs> These young men were taken into captivity with the rest of the Israelites. So they found themselves in, an, in a foreign country. Now let's begin to learn from this book tremendous revelations. The first thing is that when they got there, the staffs of Babylon, they could recognize these four boys that they were smart and they were full of wisdom. I wonder, when people see you, can they notice that you are anointed, you're smart, you're beautiful, you're handsome, you're full of wisdom? Or when people see you, what do they see? Just a bunch of mess? You think about it. These four boys, they just stand out among their peers. You know my prayer for you this evening? Before I go forward, I pray that God will make you to stand out among your peers. I don't know where you work. 
Maybe you work for the city, maybe you work for a company, maybe, maybe you work for the state, maybe you work for a church, maybe you work for whatever. It don't matter where you work. My prayer for you, my friend, is that God will cause you to stand out, that you will not be just another employee, that when you walk in, there are aroma of Almighty God will be upon you. The anointing, the glory of God will cover you. I don't care if you're just a janitor or maybe you're just a receptionist. Whatever you do, God will make you a star in your place of employment. Open your mouth, say amen. <laughs> These four Hebrew boys, they stand out, my friend. So the king recruited them. They said, look, we cannot make this for boys to be working in the garden and working on the farm. Let them come and serve in the palace because they are smart. That's what the wisdom of God will do for you. He will give you a break. So these four boys find themselves in the palace, but shortly thereafter, they ran into problems. Why? Because in the palace, everybody eats good, everybody drink wine, everybody have women around and men around, all kinds of luxury, entertainment. But all of a sudden, the king noticed something about these four boys. Guess what he noticed? When it's time to party, they're not there. When it's time to eat delicacies like cakes and wine, I know some of you are saying, you better believe it, I'll be there. <laughs> so no, these four boys, they just refuse to be a part of that. They stays in their room. You know why they're not being rebellious? They were Jewish. And under the law, under the Torah, their Bible tells them they don't eat certain things. They don't say, for example, they don't eat pigs. They don't eat perks. So a lot of things that were being offered to them to eat violated their norms. There's a lesson there. These four boys, even though nobody is watching them, they could have violated all their belief system. They could have mixed and mingled with all the girls and party all day and party all night and drink and have fun and be merry in the palace. But they were mindful of their own identity. They know that they were Jewish. They were not raised with all this gluttony, with all this excessiveness. You say, Pastor, so what's the lesson for me? I'm glad you asked. Are you proud of who you are? Do you know who you are? Are you proud to be a black man? If you're white, are you proud to be a white man or a white woman or a black woman? It's amazing how many people go through life and they don't know who they are. Their own identity is unknown to them. And there are some people who know who they are, but they're not proud of who they are. Let's learn from these four Hebrew boys. They were Jewish, and they're proud to be a Jewish young man. They will not be a part of any mess that violates their identity. I don't know about you. You see, I'm an African. I am so proud. <laughs> I am so proud of my heritage. I am so proud of who I am. I am truly an African-American. And I'm proud of it. When you know who you are, you don't have to try to be anybody else. When you know who you are, nobody can make you be what you're not. A lot of people in our society today their number one problem is identity crisis. Be proud of who God made you. 
If God made you a man, be a man. Yes, I said it. <laughs> if God made you a woman, don't try to be a man. Hey, don't turn me off now. Be proud of who God made you. Just thank God every day. I am black and proud, says Brother James Brown. And I love it. Say it loud. I'm black and proud. You see, just rejoice in who God made you. These four Hebrew boys, they know who they are. Ladies and gentlemen, the next thing is that because people were trying to, to persecute them for who they are, the Lord came th through for them. The Lord protected them. And at the end of that story, they ended up being elevated, being promoted, instead of being demoted, instead of being put down. There's a lesson there. When you stand with God, you know what? God will stand with you. When you identify yourself with God, believe me when I tell you, oh, I feel like I'm testifying now. God will back you. 100%. These kids, they overcome their opposition and they were vindicated. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe on your job, people laugh at you because you read your Bible. Maybe on your job, people laugh at you because you won't join them to do wrong. Don't get discouraged. Believe me when I tell you, God knows you by name. God knows what is going on. And guess what? He has got your back. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting already. You know what else happened? As you continue to read the book of Daniel, the king of Babylon had a dream. And in his dream, he saw a big statue, tall one, with four, four columns, four layers in that one big statue. In his dream, he said, oh, no, what is this? What am I looking at? He had no clue. Then he saw another, in that same dream, he saw a piece of rock. And that rock was thrown at the statue. And guess what? The rock shattered that huge statue. So the king is worried about it. What, what's, what's this? What kind of dream is this? Guess who can interpret that dream? One of those four boys. His name is Daniel. So Daniel said, I can break it down for you. Here's the meaning of your dream. That big old tall statue represents the kingdom of this world. The rock that came and shattered that statue represents the kingdom of God. And he told the king the day will come when the kingdom of God will shatter every forces of darkness in the land. We just experienced that in this past election. Everyone that is trying to get in the way of the progress of America, they were defeated. They were shattered. All their trickery didn't work out. God is big enough to save the nation. People came out. They thought people would not go out to vote because of the pandemic. The wrong answer. <laughs> people came out and God showed up and showed out. And silenced the mouth of every liars out there. The next thing you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know the devil. He's ugly. 
The next thing you know, the friends of Daniel, you know, I told you there were four boys. So his friend, there are three of them, Shadra, Meshach, and my homeboy, bad Negro. <laughs> this time, they got in trouble. What did they get in trouble for? They were not criminals. They refused to bow their heads to worship man. The king told everybody in that country, Babylon, that when they hear the, the drum rolls, when they hear sound, everybody must bow and worship the king. Say what? Those three Hebrew boys say, no, we're not going to do that. Again, they know who they are in God. They say, no, we will bow down only to God, not to man. You know, one of the biggest problems in America today is a lot of people are sellouts. Hey, don't turn me up. A lot of people, they will sell their own soul. They will sell their own mama. They will sell their own people. You give them a little bit of money, they lose their mind. And as a result, the enemy has been doing a lot of harm in the society. Thank God for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, no, we're not going to bow. Our God, whom we serve, is able to protect us. And then they say, even if he doesn't protect us, we're still not going to bow. And they say, yes, he will. Oh, it's a good thing when you know that your God is able. There are three profound lessons that we can learn from those three Hebrew boys. Number one, they said it. They believe it, that their God is able. Do you know that your God is able? I know you're dealing with some issues right now. Maybe some children not acting right. Maybe your spouse not acting right. Maybe on your job, your supervisor not acting right. Maybe it's the government of your days not acting right. Do you believe in your heart, deep in your heart, that God is able? I'm telling you, that simple phrase, I bail me out so many times out of trouble. When my back is against the wall, it's just good to know that the God that you serve is able to see you through. And I'm telling you right now, my friend, God is able to get you out of that trouble. God is able to help you pay that rent. God is able to put your family back together. God is able to find you a job. God is able to heal your body. God is able to give you a break from every headache, from every player haters out there. God is able to bless you right now. That miracle that you're believing God for, believe me when I tell you, God is able to make it happen in your life. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting already. Those three boys, they said, no, we're not going to fall to your trickery. I tell my church members all the time, you don't have to join no clique. I'm telling you, you do not have to kiss up to nobody. Your God is able. And he may not come when you want him. But it's always right on time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise his holy name. Then they said something else. They said, not only is our God able, we know that God will. Ah, I feel like shouting now. When you get to the point in your life that you know that come hell or high yes, I said it. Hell or high water. You just know that you know that God will come through for you. I've been there many times. I got me a t-shirt for it. 
I got me a souvenir for it that I made up my mind. I just know deep in my soul, God will see me through. God will make a way. God will heal my body. Sometimes I may sound arrogant, even to my loved ones, even to my best of friends. But when you know that 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 you know, what you know will get you right. What you know will keep you going, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of trial, even when everybody around you thinks you're not making any sense. These three Hebrew boys said, God will. Hallelujah. I stop by to tell you, my friend, God will see you through. Are you listening to me? God will provide. Are you listening to me? Your God will make a way for you. Are you listening to me? Your God will put things back together. Everything the devil has stolen from you, everything the locusts have stolen, everything the cankerworm have stolen, God will put things back together. I speak restoration in your life today in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, he will. I know he will. He did it for me. I, I, I will stand on the Bible to tell you this God whom you serve, he is able, and yes, he will build you up in the name of Jesus Christ. And you know something else those three Hebrew boys said? Even if God didn't bail us out, we're still not going to kiss up to nobody. We're still not going to be a sellout. We're still not going to join your clique, Mr. King. We're still not going to bow to your stupid statue. Now, that's when your mind is made up. That's when you get fully persuaded not to be a part of any mess. Oh, the king got so upset with them. You know, you, you remember the story. They were sentenced to die. And the next thing you know, they were thrown into a, a fairy lake of fire so that they can be burned. But guess what happened? God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, in the midst of that fire. Oh, I wish, I wish I had met some church people right now. The Bible said, the king said, wait a minute. We throw three people in the fire. They said, yes, we did. He said, but I'm seeing four people walking around in that fire. What is going on here? I know that king didn't say that Christianly. He probably would throw a tantrum and say, what the hell is happening out there? <laughs> when God get ready to, to get you out, it will scare the daylight out of your enemies. That king said, not only do I see four people, the fourth person look like the son of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. Only do it for you. Maybe you're in jail right now and you think you're all alone. Maybe you just by yourself, you think nobody understands what you're going through. But the Son of God, He will walk into your situation. He will stand by you. He will walk with you. He will make a way out of no way. Guess what happens to those three Hebrew boys? They were not burned. They were in the fire, but the fire did not consume them. So they came out of it clean, swiftly clean. Hallelujah. And then you keep reading that book. The next thing you see is that the Bible talks about two kings there. Ironically, they were father and son. You know, just like I have a son, wouldn't it be funny if I'm the king and then after a while I'm out of the, the picture and my son became the king? 
That's what happened in that book. We have one king called Nebuchadnezzar. He's the father. Then he ruled for many years. Then after him was another king by the name Belshazzar. That's his son. He also ruled. But you see, apples don't fall too far from the tree. Both of them had one problem. Guess what their problem is? Pride. I can stop there and preach to you, my brother and my sister. You will not believe what pride will do to you, how pride will hold you from your blessing, how pride will rob you of your joy and rob you of your miracle. Nebuchadnezzar, the father, during his reign, had a dream. And in that dream, he was troubled. So guess who he called to interpret the dream? Daniel, the same Jewish boy. And Daniel explained to him that what you need to do, king, you need to humble yourself. What your son needs to do is humble himself. Say, God is against a spirit of pride. Guess what? Nebuchadnezzar, the king, didn't listen. And Daniel told the king, if you don't listen, you will turn into a beast and be crawling on your feet and your hands like a monkey, like a gorilla in the wilderness. All the king just thought that this young man is out of his mind. But guess what happened? That's exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He ran away from the, from, the, from the palace. He ended up in the bush and he was crawling on his hand and his feet like a gorilla for seven years. What a shame. My friend, be careful. Watch out for a spirit of pride in your life. Things got so bad. But thank God for a God of another chance. The Bible said Nebuchadnezzar re repented of his sin, humbled himself. And guess what happened to him? God forgave him after seven years of crawling in the bush. God forgave him and God restored him back to become a human being, not a gorilla. And then... Guess what else? God restored him back to his throne. There's a lesson there. I don't care what you may have done wrong in your life. I don't care how many people you may have offended. I don't care how many laws of God you may have violated. I stop by to tell you. If you would just repent, the same God that forgave it, Nebuchadnezzar, will forgive you. How do I know? Hey, I'm a living witness. I've messed up. I know what it is to screw up, my friend. Don't be fooled by my coat and tie. You're looking at a real human being that has made mistakes. But guess what I did? I repent. Guess what I did? I asked God to give me another chance. And the only reason I'm standing in front of you today being able to talk with you with a big smile is because the good Lord gave me another chance. If he did it for me, guess what? He'll do it for you. Hallelujah. The sad thing, though, is that his son, Belshazzar, you would think he would learn from his own father. No, he never repents. He never humbled himself, and guess what happened to him? He was assassinated while he was still on the throne. The price of arrogance is too great. The price of rebellion and pride is too high. My friend, don't play with that. If you messed up, humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Give me another chance. I won't do it again. Hallelujah. Well, the story of the book of Daniel did not end there. The next thing that happened is that Daniel 
the guy who was full of wisdom, who was interpreting the dreams, he got in trouble also. You know what his problem is? Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king told everybody, don't pray. The only thing you have to pray about or the only person you need to pray to is the king. Where well, Daniel refused to go by that because he knew, you know, we sing a song, nobody but Jesus, nobody but him. When you know what he's done for you, ain't no, nothing can turn you around. And nobody knows like you know what God has done for you. Daniel continued to pray. He would kneel down when it's time for him to pray and pray. So the report got back to the king that there is a Jewish boy who is actually working in your palace. Who you're saying is a wise guy, but he's been disobeying your rules. You know, when people are jealous of you, they'll come up with stories like that. Anyway, the short version of what happened is that Daniel was sentenced to death for disobeying the king's decree, for praying to God. And the way they're going to execute him this time, they're going to throw him in the lion's den. So that's one way they execute people back then. You know, some people use firing squad. Some people use hanging. Some people use electric chair, where back then what they use is to throw you in the lion's den so the lion can eat you up alive. What a cruel way to go. But the amazing thing, when they throw Daniel in the lion's den, lion, the lion's mouth was shut. God closed their mouth. Instead of killing Daniel, instead of eating him up, Daniel was using them as pets, just rubbing their head. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, God has a way of vindicating Christians. Wouldn't it be nice that God make your enemy to leave you alone? Wouldn't it be nice for you to experience what I call everything the devil meant for evil, God turning around for your good. The lions that were supposed to kill Daniel, he used them as pets. Now he used them as pillows to sleep at night. Hallelujah. The king noticed there's no screaming and yelling in the lion's den. The king called out, Oh, Daniel, servant of Almighty God, as the God whom you serve, has he been able to deliver you? He didn't expect no, 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 no response because nobody goes into the lion's den and come back. But amazingly, Daniel responded. Daniel said, King, I'm still here. Yes, you're right. My God came and shut the mouth of the lions. And I'm still alive. You know what my prayer for you this, this, this evening? I pray that God will shut the mouth of every lion trying to put their ugly mouth in your life. I pray that God will shut the mouth of every player haters trying to mess with your children. I pray that God will shut the mouth of every witches, every witchcraft, every wizard, trying to mess with your marriage, trying to mess with your house, trying to mess with your life. I pray that God will shut the mouth of every lion in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Say amen right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm enjoying myself up in here. Guess what happened? That man of God, Daniel, was vindicated. By the way, have you noticed a pattern of God's behavior in all these stories that when you stand with God, 
God will stand with you. When you stand up for righteousness, even when you get in trouble, God will show up and build you out. There's a consistent pattern in the book of Daniel. That's what makes me really love this book. Another thing you need to know about that book, ladies and gentlemen, is that Daniel himself, you know, I've been talking about the king having dreams. But this time, Daniel, in chapter 7, had his own dream. And in that dream, he saw four beasts. Beast, you know, uh, he saw a lion. He saw a bear, he saw a leopard. You see, there's an animal, leopard, but this one is with wings. And then he saw a, a, a fourth creature, it's like ugly creature. It's not a lion, it's not a bear, it's not a leopard with wings, just ugly monster with horn in his head. So Daniel said, oh Lord, what does all this mean? Then he saw something else. He saw something that he called the Son of Man. And then he saw God on the throne. He referred to God in that chapter as the ancient of days. You know, every now and then, you probably may have heard a preacher preaching, saying to God, you are the ancient of days. One of his names. Is that he is the ancient of days. Hallelujah. I remember as a new believer, we used to sing a song. Uh, ancient of days, as old as you are, as old as you are, you will never change. Ancient of days, as old as you are, as old as you are, you will never change. Man, it will be rocking. I, I, I just have a flashback right now in Africa. We, we'll, we'll be dancing all day. We love to dance. What we are saying in that song is that God is the ancient of days. And as old as he is, because he was there before anybody, before everybody, as old as he is, that songwriter say he never changed. And that vision that Daniel saw is just a representation of kingdoms of this world. See, the, the lion, the bear, the leopard with wings, the ugly monster, those are symbolic of Earthly wisdom. But the ancient of days, God will eventually crush every one of them. We just had a, uh, a leader in our, in our country here, America, that's just full of himself. You know, curse people are in disrespect people and dishonor people, talk down on blacks call Mexican, all kinds of names, talk down on women, pick on the handicapped, just ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. It really bothers me. No character, no integrity. That's what happened with all those earthly kingdoms. The lion, the bears, the leopard with wings, it just and the ugly monster with horn on his head. They think they're all that. They think they're unstoppable. But don't forget, there is the ancient of days. Ancient of days. As old as you are. As old as you are. You will never change. Ancient of days. As old as you are. As old as you are, you will never change. Listen to me, my friend. Whoever think they got their knees on their neck right now, they will not prevail. The ancient of days. 
will take care of you. In Jesus' name. Oh, I can go on and on and on. I have so much to say. Daniel had another dream. This time he saw a ram and he saw a goat. Again, earthly wisdom, earthly kingdom, trying to establish themselves, trying to think that they are all that. But the result is always the same. God will come and crush them. So be encouraged, my friend. The book comes to an end with an interesting episode. Daniel was concerned, okay, Lord, we have been in this exile in Babylon for many years. When is all this going to be over with? So Daniel began to research. I do that a lot. You'd be amazed how much time I spent researching subject matter, researching history. How did we get here? What happened back in the 60s? What happened back in the 30s? How did, how did the, the confusion, the oppression, the injustice, how did we get here? So this young man was researching what happened. He was, to be specific, he was researching the scroll of prophet Jeremiah. We've dealt with the book of Jeremiah before, if you remember, if you were keeping up with our Bible study. And there in his research, he found out that the Israelites were supposed to be in exile for only 70 years. Man, that was the best news he ever heard. Because he noticed that they've been there Close to 70 years. So he started rejoicing. He said, hallelujah. We're getting out of here. But then an angel showed up to him in the middle of the night. He said, yes, I know what you read in the scroll of prophet Jeremiah, who was before you. But things have changed. What Jeremiah wrote was true. But your people, the Israelites, they are full of sin. Instead of getting better, they are getting worse. So the length of their stay is no longer 70 years. It's going to be 70 times 7 years. Oh, Lord. You talk about somebody upset. Daniel was discouraged. Daniel was upset because his people never changed. Does that sound like what is going on right now in our world today? You would think people by now would turn their heart to God. They would learn from the mistakes of the past. No. Some people are still full of injustice. Some people are still mistreating people. Some people are still harsh on the poor. Some people are still dis disrespectful. Some people are still fighting the outcome of the elections. Some people are still being ugly to one another. What a shame. Let me bring this to an end. You know what this book is all about? It's a book of hope. If you're in the midst of trial right now, what this book is telling you is that hope thou in God. The day will come when God will vindicate you. Another lesson we can learn from this book, wherever you are in your Christian world, if you will learn to stand by God, if you will learn to walk with God, God will walk with you. Hallelujah. Some people interpreted this book to say uh, all those visions that Daniel saw was to reflect uh, the action of a king in Syria in a one, a 170 BC. How that king was so ruthless with some Jews and killed a bunch of them and mistreated them. They said that's what Daniel is writing about. 
Then there are some people say, no, Daniel was really prophesying and writing about what Jesus experienced in the hand of the Romans. You know how they nailed him to the cross and how he suffered and bled and eventually God vindicated him. Then there are some theologians that say what Daniel is writing about is actually about the future, the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he will come and crush all the craziness that's going on in government, in, 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 in law enforcement, in the society, all the injustice, all the mistreatment, all the abuse, that the second coming of Jesus Christ will come and put an end to them. Well, you can look at it the way you want to, but one thing is clear. The book gives hope to those who are being oppressed. The book is teaching you and I to be patient. Even when you think that God is delaying, eventually it will come through for you. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget if you need prayer tonight, if you're dealing with some personal issue and you want God's divine intervention, there's a number under the screen. Dial that number. We have ministers of the gospel waiting to pray with you. You know why that's important? I personally believe that prayer changes things. Give them a call. Let's agree with you. Let's believe God with you. And may God bless you until we meet again. Amen.